Hi everyone, welcome to Rest Between Sets. This is a podcast to listen to while you rest. Between the Sets, the life is programmed for you. Join me in tackling all things health and fitness, spirituality and mental health along with other guest speakers. We're going to dive in deep to find out how they're all interconnected in creating the recipe of becoming the best version of ourselves. Because why not? This is your host, Danny. Let's do this. For the second episode of my Women at Work series, I had the pleasure of sitting down, having a laugh and being taken to a journey with Mahara Fiala. Mahara is one of my closest friends, mentor and colleague at Holistic Sister. She is a leader and a storyteller which takes us back to her childhood, which creates a perfect landscape to the person she is now. We talk about knowing what you want and working for it, her experience as a professional athlete and what it took to get to a professional level, our views of women in sport, the athlete's mindset, growing as a person during the pandemic, and so much more. It was such an honour to be taken to a deep dive of a dear friend's life experience. So sit back, relax, laugh with us, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, lovely. How are you? I'm good. How are you? It's good. Um, I'm good too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having me. It's all good. Um, this is um, like I remember almost a year ago where I was your house. We had the party. Mm. I, I told you about like podcasting and all that kind of stuff. And I said, oh, maybe I could interview you. And you were also like, yeah, and maybe like all the other boys, MFE as well. I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> but I just want you. <laughs> I was trying to palm it off. I was like, I'm not ready to be on the podcast yet. <laughs> and then like 11 months later, here we are. Um, all right, so I took you. I asked you to be in the podcast because you connect really well with what I envisioned. Mm-hmm. Um, pod, like rest between sets is really about mental health, performance, and fitness, and I think all those three things you tick them all off. And aside from that, you as a person. I just you're actually one of my closest friends and we've spoken this about we've spoken about this so many times it just feels like we've actually we're meant to be friends Mm. and so it's been three strong years of being friends feels like so much longer than that that we've known each other I've scrolled through Instagram it's only been like 2018 (laughs) (laughs) but aside from all that I don't really and I know you Mm. quite a in quite in depth but Obviously, a lot of people don't, and yeah. people pretty much know you on Instagram as Coach Mahara. Mm-hmm. So, if you can, you know, give us a background of who Mahara is, yeah. your personal life, your career as a, you know, as an athlete, yeah. and now as a coach, yeah. Cool. Where to start? So, I grew up a uh, family of six in Christchurch in New Zealand. So, I've got uh, an older brother. Then I'm the second oldest, and then I got a younger sister and younger brother. So we grew up pretty close. We we're a pretty close family. I was really close to all my cousins and my family in Christchurch. I've got family all over the world, family in Australia. So mm-hmm. I always guess I always feel at home wherever I am. Yeah, we grew up, you know, we weren't the richest people, but our parents always made sure that whatever we wanted, we had it. So we were very fortunate in that sense. You know, there were times where we struggled, but look, everyone goes through those patches too. But I think growing up without being really wealthy as such mm. made me into the person that I am today. So, you know, it really shaped who I am. You know, I was really close to my grandparents. They were like our second parents. We were over at their house, you know, all the time. Mm. So really family orientated. And I always keep that really close to my heart. So that's um, something that's really important to me. One of my biggest values is my family. So I'm Samoan and Maldi. So my... Well, I actually call myself a fruit salad. 
<laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's actually the best. Go by Samoan Prince Island where people ask, like, what's your ethnicity? So my dad's Samoan. He has a little bit of German in him too, like, long way down the line. Mm. My mom's Maldi, Scottish, Irish, and Welsh. So oh. at the same time, sometimes it's just easy to go, I'm Samoan Maldi. But, yeah, so I grew up, I guess, in both of our cultures. You know, we were very lucky to be really close to our Samoan family, but also um, really close to our, like, Māori grandparents. So mm. um, both sides, we were very lucky to be, you know, that we actually got to experience our culture. I'm really very proud of my culture. So, yeah, I think that's another thing that's really special to me is having a sense of belonging somewhere that I can always, I guess, track back to, Yeah. Um, you know, your roots. Yeah, so yeah. that's a bit about, like, I guess, growing up, my background. Mm. In terms of sport or schooling, um, I was a very sporty kid. I loved playing sport. It was what I did at school. It was my hobby. It was what yeah. I did at the weekend. It was what I did after school. So that was a big part of my life growing up. And same as with my family. So both my parents played sport, both played high-level sport. Um, my older brother is a was a really good uh, sporting athlete, same as my younger brother. My sister played it for a little bit, but she was more kind of like, why do I want to chase a ball around? <laughs> like, you're an idiot. <laughs> um, so she's more like the arts and crafty type yeah. sibling. But, yeah, so we're a very, like, active family. Mm. Played netball, touch, softball, um, did athletics for a little bit. Netball was my kind of my go-to. Mm. Just started by literally just playing with friends and then obviously kind of figured out, like, oh, I'm actually going to go all right in this sport. Yeah. So I played touch and netball for a little bit and then in high school it was kind of like, oh, I might just see what netball does. Mm. So I wanted to be a professional netball player. So while I guess pretty much from as soon as you could start playing rep, so, you know, representative. How old? Um, is, so pff, I can't even remember what year it was. I think it was like, I was like year eight when it oh, first okay. started. So what's that, like 12, 13? 16. 14. Yeah, something yeah. like that. So just before high school, essentially. Well, at home, it's high school. Yeah. So that was my first year of playing Canterbury Netball. And then every year after that, I was making those representative teams. And so every year I wanted to keep going and keep pushing yeah. to the next level and keep pushing to the next level. Really enjoyed that and wanted to see how far that would take me. And then for schooling, I personally didn't like how the schooling system is or was and still is. So it obviously caters to one type of learner. Yeah. Well, when I was at school, it did. And I'm a very kinesthetic learner, kinesthetic learner very hands-on. So sitting in a classroom, staring at a whiteboard or listening to someone talk mm. five to six hours a day just wasn't my thing. I did well in school. I did really well. But it was just like, this is boring. Yeah, like, it feels forced. Yeah, it feels yeah. forced. 100%. Yeah. That's the best way I say it. It felt forced. And because obviously my parents, you know, one of the best for me was like, you go to school. Well, my dad especially, he was a lot more stricter than my mum. It was either school or you go get a job, but yeah. school. <laughs> like, there kind of wasn't an option. Yeah. Um, and so I think it would have been year, end of year 12. So in New Zealand, we go to year 13. Okay. Because um, I think here you have that prep year, whereas we don't have the prep year at the start. We just go straight into year one. Oh, um, yeah. And then we finish in year 13. So yeah. at the end of year 11. It's the same, same. But <laughs> it's literally the same, same, but we just decided we want to be different. Yeah. Right? So end of year 11, I did really well on my schooling, and then I was just like, nah, this isn't for me. I eh? Like, I've 
how can I start like getting my career or building towards a career and sporting like sport something mm. something physical anyways I knew that it was something yeah. physical and anyways I think I was in the car with my mom and this ad came on the radio and it was for New Zealand Institute of Sport and essentially you could go there you could leave school you could go there full-time and you could do your schooling there mm. still get your NCA level two and three which is like your BCE here and you would already start building your pathways to going into like diploma advanced diploma and your degree and I was just like looked at my mom I was like that's what I want to do okay um it makes it easy actually because here um straight after year 12 like it's literally from year from year 7 to year 12 it's literally just writing essays if you are going into that path yeah maybe it's the same here cedar I think it's kind of like similar yeah I think so and I think potentially TAFE Maybe T- TAFE is a TAFE is more vocational yep. ones, um, the VCAL ones. But yep. here, I, I guess it is slight. It is similar. Yeah. Uh, straight after year twelve. Casita, can you still do your VCE? I'm not sure. Yeah. Okay. Possibly yeah. there might be some who go in and out of school, yeah. like into their actual school, and then go to CEDA. Yeah. And do their their sporting thing and all that kind of stuff, but. Yeah. Yeah, like studying here for me as well. Like it was literally the same for me. Like. I did really well at school, but it was like, how can I actually, everything that I learned, I don't think I would actually be able to apply it. I've I've not applied fucking chemistry (laughs) as a coach or physics or or like fucking DYDX. Pie? (laughs) Yeah. I I eat pie in my life. (laughs) Yeah, I eat it. So, like, all those kind of things. Yeah. So, like, I totally get that. And uh, that's just something I've learned. And mm. it's good that you learned that at a very young age yeah. because the only time I learned that I'm actually, you know, a hands-on person was when I was around about 19, 20 years old when mm. I started doing PT and I was just like, this is actually my pathway. But I still pursued going to VU. I don't know if I should say yeah. <laughs> VU. But going into, like, bachelor degrees. I've yeah. been in and out of bachelor degrees. Yeah. Because I just knew in it for me that like this is this this is fun. I am learning something, mm. but this is actually not what I want to do. Like I don't yeah. want to be sitting down the whole day, and I also don't want to be sitting down at home writing essays and stressing out about like what the fuck do I put on a piece of paper? Yeah. Like I know that a lot of people value that, and there's a lot of I I appreciate you know being able to write down your thoughts and mm. expand on that in a world wordly manner but mm. obviously you know everyone's different yeah and look there are some people that learn that way right like exactly. they can you know write things down type things down yeah. watch things whereas I'm like I, I have to do it like how yeah. do I do this because if I do it and I could do it myself mm. I've learned that whereas yeah. like me writing down what I have to do that goes in one ear out the other like, exactly you know? yeah yeah so that's why I decided that I wanted to try out New Zealand Institute of Sport and I said to my mom like can I do this? Like mm. pretty much obviously I'm, I'm 16. Like, you know, I'm technically not allowed to leave and leave home without yeah. your guys' permission. Um, and my mum was like, this is what you want to do? And I was like, yeah, this is my pathway. I can see mm. this is my pathway. Like I was so set in my head that this is what I wanted at to 16. do. And I, at 16. And yeah. I, I was just like, this is what I need to do. Like, you know, school's not for me, mum. Like I go to school to see my friends eat my lunch. <laughs> It's a great time, but like, recess was favorite yeah, subject. I was like, I'm not getting the most out of, you know, what's in front of me. Yeah. And she was like, cool, 
if this is what you want to do, you need to go sign up. So, you know, you're making this choice, so you mm. need to go do it yourself. You need to go sign up, do yeah. whatever you have to do, and let me know what you need, you know, mm. what I need to do for you. Cool. Can you talk to Dad, please? <laughs> <laughs> can, can you have this conversation with Dad? Because I was so scared to have this conversation yeah. with Dad. And she's like, you need to go and tell him. Like, you've got to tell him that this is what you want to do. And so I had this conversation with my dad. With my dad. I was like, Dad, look. I want to leave school, not to bum around. I actually know what I want to do. This is what I want to do. Dad saw it and was like, nah, you're not doing mm. it. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, I, I had everything, like, laid out. I had you brochures. Had an elevator speech. I had, like, you know, like, yeah. I had my speech prepared. Like, you had your business um, plan. <laughs> X, Y, Z. Like, it was a free course. My parents didn't have to pay for anything. You know, I was like, I can get myself there. I didn't have my license at the time. I was like, I know mm. the bus route. Like, I can, can jump on the bus. I'll get there. Yeah. You don't have to drop me off. Like, it was on the other side of town. Well, the other side of town and Christchurch is like 20 minutes. So yeah. it's a long way. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you know, I, I can sort myself out. Like, I, I just need your permission mm. to say, like, yes, I can I can leave school. Because essentially I need you to sign me out of school. Like, I, they yeah. can't just let me leave. And Dad was still like, no. Nah. Like, you're not doing it. And I was like, dad, I can get NCEA. Like if I do this for two years and then I don't want to carry on with this, I can get my, like, I can still go to uni yeah. or like I can go join the army. Cause I thought maybe the army might be for me if this wasn't like mm. anything in like, you know, like maybe the Navy. So I had like plan B, plan C, like yeah. I had thought about this so much. It's probably the most I've thought about <laughs> 16, like planning my life yeah. out here. That's such an, I'm just going to jump in on this mm. one because most people at 16 are worried about how do I get a fake ID so I can get into the club. But I think that's actually... Well, can I pause you on that one? My dad was security, so he owns a security <laughs> team. And pretty much all my family were running the bar, so I would not get in. I'd get, like, snatched straight away. Hence why that was not on yeah. my list. <laughs> um, so I think that's actually very commendable that, like, at 16 you're already in that mindset. Mm. And... Would that, would would it be correct to say then that it was because of your passion to get into sport and to work into sport? A hundred percent. Yeah. Because I had a passion. So since I had started, since I was like five, um, yeah, since I was like five, six, mm. when I started playing netball and realizing that I was okay, I had a passion to be a professional netball player. Mm. So from that age, all I wanted to do was I wanted to be a silver fern, which is the New Zealand representative team. And so because that was so big for me from a young age, mm. at 16 I was already like, well, this is how I'm going to get there. Like this course is somehow going to help me get there. Yeah. So, yeah, so my dad still said no. I had the whole plan <laughs> written out. I was like, surely he's going to say yes. Still said no. Yeah. And I went back and I went to my mum and I was, obviously I was really upset because I was so passionate about what what was in front of me and mm. I really wanted to do it. My mum, and I will never forget this and I always take this with me wherever I go now because it was like one of those, you know how you have those moments in life where kind of like, not a light bulb moment, but it's kind of like a really special moment that you go, wow, yep. And it just kind of stays with you mm. wherever you go. Yeah, definitely. So, like she said something real simple. All she said is, I said, look, Dad doesn't want me to leave school. Like, I don't have his permission. He's not saying yes. Mm. I was like, Mum just goes, this is what you really want to do, yeah? And you've clearly thought about it. And I was like, yep. 
And she goes, cool, you can't impress everyone in your life. And there are times in your life where you have to make decisions and make them on your own. But as long as you're backing that decision, go for it. She's like, never in your life are you going to please everyone? Yeah. And I was just like, okay, my mum just said that. I'm going to do this. Like, yeah, so, holy shit. Yeah. So that's like the, the, that's the hype that you want without, without the, um, the glitter on the side. Like that's just actually straight up hype. Yeah. And I was just like, from I a, think. From a parent too. From a parent. And yeah. I, was, I was half expecting mum to be like, oh, okay, well, maybe your dad's right. Maybe you should just, let's finish school mm. and then you know if you still want to go to this place after school you can go so that's kind of where my head was at. I was like oh mum's gonna just agree with dad but yeah when she said that I was like oh wow cool the next day took all my papers to school I signed out of school I'd mm. left it's funny because when I was doing well at school I won't name the school but all the principal the principals and you know my teachers were like you know, I had a, a pretty good relationship with them. And then as soon as I signed out of school, mm-hmm. people started finding out that I was leaving school. So many of my teachers just like turned on me. So it was just like, oh, uh, so the one of my, the sports coordinator that was at the mm-hmm. school at that time, I loved her. She was really mm-hmm. cool. And we had a great relationship. And I was really excited to tell her that this is where I was going and this is what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. And her answer to me was, or her reply to me telling her was, well, the only girls that I know have gone there have got pregnant and have dropped out of school and dropped out of course. Wow. And I was just like, fuck you. Like, yeah, like, see you later. Like, I'm really excited to tell you yeah. about what I want to do. And that's how you react. And yeah. so I was just like, oh, well, that's not going to be, I'm going to prove you wrong. Yeah. And, and that's an example from what your mum have said. Yeah. Like, you just can't please everyone. Yep. And you just have to back yourself up. Yeah, and so I was just like, literally, like, big F you. Like, obviously, I didn't yeah. say that to her because that's not nice, but that's how I was feeling inside. So I was like, cool, whatever. Mm. Carried on because obviously I had to go around and tell all my teachers. And the only teachers that backed me up were my PE teachers. Mm. And I'm going to give them a shout-out. So uh, Miss Nordstrom, Miss Smith, and Miss Orr were the only ones that were like, love it, go do it. And yeah. they were like, what's your plan B? And I was like, plan B, if I don't do well in this, I'm going to go sign up to the army. And they're like, cool, go for it, girl, good luck. Yeah. So like, and it was just like, cool, like that's the kind of response I was expecting. That's the only thing that you need. So anyways, I signed out of school, went to everything that I needed to, went to the interviews, all of that. Mm. Pretty sure my mum came with me to the first interview to meet my tutor as well. But my dad didn't talk to me for two weeks straight. Oh, really? So he was really upset. Mm. Literally, like, wake up in the morning, yeah. didn't say hello, nothing, like, good morning. Do you think it was because you didn't listen to what he wanted? Like, he, you didn't do what he thought you would be, what he imagined in his head you'd be doing? Yeah. Well, because, like, I mean, he was the parent, right? Mm. No, he is the parent. So in his head, what he was telling me was his, the best advice. Yeah. You know? 16 is still a really young age to be making big decisions. Yeah. But also it's like a make or break too. Like you can make good decisions still. Absolutely. But I guess from his point of view, it was like, I, I'm the parent. You asked me for my permission. I said no, but you still did the mm. opposite yeah. thing. Like yeah. I can see how you can be quite upset at that. 
and like over those two weeks I was like just you wait man like I'm, I'm gonna prove you wrong yeah. like in, in a good way I'm gonna prove you wrong and anyways did that for the first year and I got top of my class so top of your class you get distinction I was there for one two three four years every single year I was there I got top of my class and it wasn't until graduation on that first year that mum and dad were there and dad obviously was there when it got announced that I was top of the class and he cried. Mm. So it was kind of like, and then afterwards, you know, like probably like a after that or like a year later, he was like, oh, you know, like he obviously told me straight away that he was really proud of me. Yeah. And he was just like, oh, it's not, not so bad after all. And I was mm. like, no, nah, I told you, this is what I wanted to do. Like my mind was set on it and I didn't want to muck this up. Like, mm. especially because mum had put so much trust in me to make my own decision. Yeah. And so if anything, I also didn't want to let her down because she was the one that kind of gave me permission to go and do it. Absolutely. Whereas if dad had said no and mum had said no, I wouldn't have done it. Yeah. So, yeah, I was there for four years. So I did my NCA level two and three. Mm-hmm. I did my diploma in exercise. What was it called? It was like sport management exercise prescription. Mm. So then you could branch off to do either EP or which is like, you know, um, exercise science. Yeah. Or you could do sport management. And then I ended up going down the EP pathway. So then I did my advanced deployment exercise prescription. And then from there, so that's where I met Nick. Like Your fiancé. My, my fiancé. <laughs> still, sounds, still sounds really weird to say. So that was like... You were 18 eight, when you met him. 17. So, yeah, we didn't start like going out until I was 18. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so... I did level two, level three, mm. diploma, advanced diploma, and exercise prescription, and then I had a year off. So Nick and I had decided over the, like the two years that we were together that we both really wanted to do the degree in Melbourne because they mm. had a pathway to do it in Melbourne. So did you search up around Australia? Or were you set? Were your eyes set on Victoria? So essentially, our institute yeah. had pathways already set up. So you couldn't just go to a random uni and go, here's my advanced diploma, I want to do the degree. Mm. Essentially, you had to have your credits transferred over. Yeah. And they had set that up through, I think it was Victorian University, so obviously here in Melbourne. Mm. They also had it set up through correspondence. Yeah. So like Open Polytechnic. And then I think there was another one. I can't mm. remember what. CPIT, or it's now called Ada, which is another institute. Yeah. And Nick and I were just like, VU is top 2% in the world for sports science. Well, yeah. We don't have kids. We don't have a house. We've literally just like, you know, got ourselves yeah. and, and a car. Car's easy to, you know, our family can look after that or we can sell it. So we're like, this is what we're going to do. So we'd worked for a couple years. And that year that I left NZAS, they actually offered me a job. So I ended up staying there for another two years. At the institute? Yeah, at the okay, institute. Yeah. And I was working at the institute. So originally it was just like admin and mm. then it ended up getting into a little bit of teaching as well. And how um, old were you? 19, 20. Wow. Uh, yeah. Actually, no, I lie. 20, 20, yeah. Okay. Yep, I would have been 20. And how was that? How was that responsibility of teaching students at 20 years old because I would imagine there would probably be older people there yeah. and then you know being listened them being listened to listening to someone who's 20 years old like 
For sure. I reckon if I had done it within that first year, it would have been really nerve-wracking. But because I had done it in the second year and I'd kind of seen from a staff point of view how classes run, and I pretty much just took the level twos and level threes, so the high school kids. So technically I was, like, older than them anyways. Mm. And because I had, one, been there for so long and I guess I had a presence there that was – not higher than them, but I had a presence yeah. there that was pretty much like a tutor before I finished yeah. um, studying. So build already relationships. Yeah, because I was, I guess, a mentor. Like I was kind of like a, yeah. a mentor for some of the younger students. So because I already had that relationship, it was quite easy to kind of go into the teaching stuff because mm-hmm. I was teaching like, you know, the high school kids. Yeah. I think it would have been different if I was teaching my age group. Like it, it would have yeah. been a, a little bit more nerve-wracking. Yeah, but I didn't teach any of the older um, classes anyways. Yeah. So, yeah, so kind of like a mixed role. Started off with admin, then I went to teaching. There was, like, marketing. So I kind of learned a little bit of each. And then towards the end of my second, uh, second year there, Nick and I booked a three-week holiday to Australia. And we were like, cool, we'll go and visit Victoria, and then we'll go up to Queensland, visit my family up in Queensland. So we literally flew here just for two nights. Two nights? Yeah, I think mm. it was two nights. Or it might have been a night actually anyways did not realize that melbourne had two airports <laughs> you told me about this day. so we flew into tullamarine but mm. then our flight out was in avalon and in my head like i think i was telling you this yeah. i thought it was like an hour an hour drive away and you're like no it's literally like half an hour 40 minutes <laughs> yeah. and i was like what <laughs> so yeah that was funny that was yeah. an experience but Checked out the uni. We met our um, one of our lecturers. He was like the liaison for NZIS and Vic Uni. Mm. So they all both – so NZIS and VU had like a partnership kind of Yeah, they had much. a partnership. So yeah. NZIS had a campus in Christchurch where I'm yeah. from. They have a campus in Wellington and they have a campus in Auckland. Oh, okay. And so each, camp, each campus had the opportunity to go and do the degree in – Melbourne yeah and so when we had met with um Brent was his name he's an absolute legend we both I think I was in his class I remember I was looking through my Instagram messages and like you were talking about Brent and I think yeah. it was like sociology or something like that yeah his yeah. social he's a great lecturer yeah Nick and I both adore him he was really cool but yeah once we had met up with him and he was like yeah so pretty much you guys are the only students that have applied for this this year so you'll be our NZA students blah 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 it's like cool so we literally left and kind of were pondering it over our holidays. We'd have gone up to Queensland and we'd stayed mm. with our family. My mum, my dad and my brother had flew over and we had a holiday up there. And then literally when we got back from our holiday, so this would have been the week before Christmas, mm. got back, kind of got back to our life in Christchurch. We were both just like, should we do it? We looked at each other and was like, let's do it. So I literally went, on, uh, went online that night. Mm. I applied for us to well, – I like filled out an application for VU – and then I think within a few days we were accepted. Yeah. Cool. Applied for accommodation. We found a student accommodation across the road from uni. I was like, perfect. We're not going to have a car straight away. Within two weeks, we were actually might have been three. Within three weeks, we were, had applied, got accepted, got accommodation. We're packed up and we're gone. Was this 2018? Yep. 2017 yeah. going into 2018. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So within three weeks, we just turned our life around mm. literally just like cool wow. this is us yeah yeah and then we've been here since yeah yeah so originally it was like cool we're just going to go to Melbourne for a year because I had no family here I've got a few cousins but they were more like kind of like 
out of Melbourne. Yeah. yeah, and, like, I wasn't, like, extremely close with them. And so it felt like we were coming to a totally, like, blank or clean slate. Clean slate, yeah. yeah. We had a really good friend, Mal Burrell, and she did the same thing as us. She came over and she studied and did the same mm. pathway. So we were like, cool, if Mal can do it, then, you know, yeah. we, we got this. So we'd stayed with her for a night before we went into accommodation and she was just giving us the rundown and everything. And we had said, we're just going to be here for the year. We're going to finish our degree, finish graduation, pack up, go home, done. Let's find a cool mm. job in New Zealand. It wasn't until we got to the end of that year that our mum and dad, or my mum and dad and Nick's mum had come over for graduation and they were like, you know, why are you guys thinking of coming back? And we were like, because you guys are all there, like that's our home, mm. this isn't our home. And they were like, you'd be silly to come back. They're like, look at all the opportunities you guys yeah. have here and we'll continue to have. They're like, stay here. We're just a plane, you know, we're just a three-hour flight away. Like, yeah. why are you worried? And we were just like, oh. Like you, it kind of threw us off. It was like, yeah. oh, so you don't mind if we stay. Like it was kind of like a blessing, like do your thing. Yeah. Yeah. So like you literally had – all this support behind you. Yeah. And plus, like, a very supportive fiancé. Yeah. <laughs> um, as well. So that, obviously, you as a person who's, like, you, I, I see you as a very strong-minded person, mm. as in, like, this is what I want to do. I'm going to make it happen. Yeah. And I guess that's why we are friends because mm. I, see my, I see myself in you, actually, as well. Mm. Yeah. So, like, from then and now. Yeah. You've just continued and continued and continued. Pretty much. It was yeah. just like, cool, let's build. Let's keep building. Um, yeah. How are we going to do this? So, yeah, we obviously had finished studying and I was mm. like, cool, that's the biggest part done because yeah. financially we obviously had to pay for our fees yeah. So and that had to be paid for up front before you started your course. Even though you're from New Zealand, you still had to do that. Yes. I guess, what would you call it? Would you be considered like as an overseas student still? No. So we were considered, because you're New Zealand citizens and there's like that, I guess, special visa where you don't actually have to have a visa, you can literally – so New Zealanders can come back and forth Mm. without having to apply for a visa, vice versa. Australians can come back and forth without having to apply for a visa. And you still get access to majority of like, you know, like Medicare Mm. and all of that. We had to – because we were classes domestic, we're still classes domestic student. You still obviously got domestic fees. And they were kind of, while we were on holiday, they were kind of umming and ahhing whether or not they were going to change that. Mm. So that was also going to influence our decision because if they changed it to international, we'd be paying, I think it was like 24,000. Upfront. Upfront. 24,000. Not sure if it was upfront. Probably. Yeah, Yeah. probably. Um, And that was like, nah, that's it. No way. That's quite a lot, actually. No way. Yeah. But then they didn't, so yeah. So essentially you just had to pay for, so it ended up being eight grand and you just had to pay mm. for your units before you started them. Okay. So it was still in, in installments, which would help yeah. a lot. Um, so yeah, we were just working uh, part-time, mm. studying. So essentially go to work in the morning, yeah. go to uni, come back, go to work, mm. study when we got home, start again the next day. So obviously when you're a uni student, you just hustle, right? Because you're young, you're fit, yeah. you can – do the sleepless nights, and we were just like, it was less than a year. So we were like, we got this. Mm. Let's just try and smash this out. And, yeah, now we've obviously been still been working in the industry and been getting some really great opportunities within the industry, and now we're just like, 
finding it hard to move back home. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. kind of don't want to move. Yeah. And I guess like you'll always, it will be instinctual. Yeah. You know, going back home. Yeah. And it doesn't, like the amount of years that you've left home doesn't necessarily matter. Yeah. Like, if anything, just like what your mom said, like mm. can't please everyone. You just need to do your own thing. Exactly. Yeah. And I think because we've seen how much we've grown, you know, I have personally, and I've also seen like as a couple how we've grown, mm. but because I've seen how much I've grown over this time, it's also like, wow, if I can do that over four years, yeah, you know, what else can I do over exactly. the next four years? Yeah. So with this kind of, I just thought about it actually while you were talking about how you got into NZIS and then having like your dad mm. not being happy and all this kind of stuff. This mindset of yours, has it always – did it start from, you know, as a an athlete? Like was it was it moulded because you were an athlete or did it run in the family or kind of a bit of both or were you always like a reflective kind of child? Because I could, I, I could actually imagine – I can imagine all of those, you know, factoring mm. in. But then again, you're the only person who can explain that, like how mm. you became – that person who's very who, – that child or that young adult that's very, you know, mm. strong-minded and really they're looking at walking the walk and talking yeah. the talk kind of thing. I kind of want to say a little bit of everything. Yeah. But I feel like I've got some pretty strong-willed people in my family, mm. my mum for one, and I've always grown up really admiring my mum because she was always someone that I could talk to mm. and I felt like I could tell my mum – more things than my dad mm. which I feel like for a lot of people that's probably how it is because yeah. you have I guess you have a, a stronger connection most people have a strong con- connection to their mom yeah and mothers as well like there's always that yeah. empathetic and, and as a child you're looking for empathy and yeah. connection and then also my nana was a very very strong-willed person very mm. bossy like <laughs> like <laughs> she used to tell everyone what to do and yeah. it was kind of like I guess I just had that, without realising, that stronger mm. female presence in my life. Like, you know, they were had very strong characteristics. So, you know, they were either very, very bossy and, you know, could tell people straight up this is what you need to do mm. or, on the flip side, very caring, very empathetic, yeah. could see both sides mm. and, I guess, help you rationalise. So I kind of want to say probably my my mum and my nana, mm. but at the same time, I like proving people wrong. Yeah. And I don't know where that comes from, mm. but I've always kind of like proving pe- people wrong. Not, when not when in, you're being doubted. Yeah, yeah, not in a bad way, like as in to be a, a bitch. I'm better than you kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. But more if someone tells me I can't do something. Yeah. Or, yeah, if someone says, you know, this mm. is we're not going to be able to do this, it's kind of yeah. like, well, how can we do it? I reckon I can. Yeah. And so, so nothing is impossible for you. Yeah, There's nothing, always a way to nothing get is to impossible. Like I still, yeah. obviously I still have fear, right? Like yeah. there's still a lot of things that I have thought about doing and have gone, nah, like yeah. what will people think of me if I do that? Mm. Or, you know, what if I fail? Like I'm still scared of failing too, right? Yeah. But I put it back down to, you know, the sports coordinator that said the only people that mm. go there get pregnant. That was it's bad, but that was such a motivator for me because mm. I was like, I'm going to show you. I'm not going to get pregnant. Yeah. Like. Eight years later. Wait, it, 12 years later? You're still not pregnant. Yeah, I'm still not pregnant. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Like, Stuck on it. 
I'll win. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm also a very competitive person too. Yeah. So, yeah, mm. I think stuff that I've learned along the way too. Yeah. So really receptive of like what's happening externally. Yeah, and, I think so. Yeah. You know, my, my parents always, both my parents, especially for sport, never said no. Mm. And because they were both high-level athletes when they were younger, yeah. they knew what it took and they knew that, you know, I guess they understood the passion. Mm. Like it's not just sport. Like if someone wants to make a career out of that, they can. But, yeah. you know, you, you need support to do that. And because they never said no, it was like, cool, I can do this. Like, you know, I'm – and, like, we weren't – we didn't have a lot of money. And a lot of my trips – fees it's expensive right yeah and you think if you've got four kids too and each kid or you know you got other kids that are also making rep teams and mm. you know they want to do their hobbies as well there's a lot of money yeah there's <laughs> so a lot to provide for yeah it's a lot yeah. to provide for and they always made it work so yeah. i remember there was probably two tournaments so it was a national maori tournament mm. so essentially you had to be maori in order to play in this tournament and it was a representative too. So it's kind of like um, the indigenous rounds, like say for oh, – um, For footy. Yeah, yeah. Well, more so like, you know, how they have the all-stars game in rugby league. So you have oh. to be Māori or you have to be Aboriginal to play in those teams. Yeah. So like that. And I had made the, the South Island Māori team, which would go up and play at nationals. And I think it was like $500, which, mm. you know, doesn't sound like – well, it's a lot of money. But yeah. if you're working full-time and you could probably – use that money like mm. to pay for it but because obviously mum and dad had bills to pay you know they had house to pay for yeah they had four kids, kids yeah it was like okay well we don't have that money to just go and pay for that mm. but my mum was like to my nana how are we gonna like get her to go you know yeah. uh, we want her to go and so my nana was really good with her hands she was really art and crafty and she was a weaver mm. so she made these beautiful kite which is like a like, kind of like a little bag or a basket or a hat yeah. like beautiful beautiful art and she was really good at it and she just done them up because they go for a lot of money and we did a raffle and paid for my trip and spending money and just having my family behind me to help me do that was like man this is special like I'm so lucky like you know you appreciate it a lot more whereas if my parents had the money said yeah here go it's easy to take it for granted. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas it was like wow my my family are putting in the effort like my sister was helping out Mm. like you know, my parents and my mom and that, they uh, and my nana, they had to yeah. go to different people to sell them. And I had to go and sell them too, like mm. sell tickets. So, so you already knew marketing. Yeah, yeah, I was learning marketing <laughs> yeah. right from the get-go. Yeah. So, yeah, you just, yeah, you look at it a different way. Mm. And I look at money a different way because yeah, we didn't, you know, we had to work hard for it. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank you for sharing that, actually. Yeah. That's actually, like, a really – I did not know that at yeah. all. It's a bit more in-depth than what you probably <laughs> yeah. um, were expecting. I guess, like, that's also a part of, uh, for me anyway, knowing that that's how – that that was your roots mm. made, me, made me look at you and appreciate you more and your work because, obviously – there is a lot more behind it. And it's just this, like, things that you see. Like, I've just seen this post on Instagram where, like, there's this iceberg mm. and you don't know what's actually underneath that iceberg, what formed that beautiful, nicely tipped iceberg, mm. right? And the people only see what's above the water. Yeah, absolutely. They don't know what's underneath. For sure. And I feel like that that completely defines you, mm. like that Instagram post about the iceberg. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. 
So obviously, from what we have talked about, you were always set out on being, you know, a coach or yeah. like around in the fitness and a sport industry. So I would probably assume that you didn't have anything like you didn't. Did you ever go into another path or like a? So essentially, the only thing that I had in my head was number one was I was going to be a professional netball player, mm. but I also knew that being a professional netball player was not going to pay for the bills. Yeah. So you know, compared to you know, if a, a male wants to play for the All Blacks or yeah. um, play Super Rugby mm. or you know play NRL, there's a lot of money that you can live off that right yeah. without having another job. Whereas for females, being a netballer or now at the moment, like you know, obviously women's sport is on the up and coming. Yeah. But even you know, being here being an AFLW player, what it's, you what you earn yeah. for your you know your salary for the year is not enough. You still have to train full time and work. Full time. You know, yeah. Most of them still probably still work full time. Yeah. I did see that post about how it's five five times the amount of well yeah the AFL male players um they earn five times the amount of an AFLW. Yeah. And I think that's actually quite absurd. Yeah. That's obnoxious. And there is I, – I get it. Like, a lot of people watch the AFL, you know, like, and it's a massive thing in Australia and all that kind of stuff. However, it's nothing different. It's not completely different to the AFLW. Yeah. The effort is there. Yeah. It's the same amount of effort. So I feel like you should be compensated the same amount. Yeah. Or, you know, depending on how good the player is, all that kind of stuff, you should be – instead of, like – it being five times less. Mm. That's um, there's obviously big arguments around the world, literally around this, like you know, WNBA, yeah, um, even the netball as well. And it's more about, I guess, the revenue that it brings in because you know you Definitely. haven't got as many people watching and mm. blah de blah. I have views on it. Yeah, but could be for another. Yeah, episode, could be for we another could podcast because I know one, yeah. you and I could go down a loophole yeah. with this, but essentially. I knew that if I wanted to make that make that a career option, mm-hmm. I still needed a plan B to top up, yeah. you know, that salary because it was still not enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in my head I was like, cool, if I can be a professional netball player, maybe I want to do something in the sport. Well, I want to do something in the sport and rec industry. Yeah. Whether that was, you know, working um, sport management, so, you know, running events, running sporting events, maybe a coach out in school, so you're just mm. working with youth. Um, maybe it is a PT. My dad's a strength and conditioning coach and a PT, so it was kind of like, cool, well, I know that dad's done that and mm. I can talk to dad about that and he has his own studio, so, you know, well, he had his own studio at that time. So I was like, yeah, cool, that's easy, like, that's where I'm going to go. Yeah. All else fails. I know that I'll probably get into the army. Mm. So I'll just go and join the army or join the Navy. Yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of where my head was at. It was definitely something physical. Mm. So I guess with that and with the netball, before we moved over here, we had the NNL. It was called the Bico League. Here it's called the ANL, so the Australian Netball League. Yeah. So essentially it's the tier under your franchise, so where you start to get paid. And, yeah, I was making these rep teams. I was like, all right, the next step is obviously the Bico League or the NNL. Um, and I was like, and then from there, then I can try and crack it to franchise. So it must have been – was the year before we moved over. Mm. So 2017. And I'd made the, the NNL and I was pretty much like 
in the was named in the te- in the team lineup every yeah. week, and it was the same thing. We weren't getting paid, so we were still cast as amateur. We weren't getting paid. We still I still had to work full time at New Zealand Institute of Sport, mm. so nine to five, or sorry, eight to five. And then I also had to get up, go to training in the morning. So from six to eight, my I'm so thankful that my job were a sports institute. So yeah. they were like, you know, we're really proud of you for making this team. Do what you got to do. Come in a little bit later, whatever it is, totally fine. So then I'd go to work at like 8.30. Yeah. I'd be there until five. Then I'd literally grab my stuff and I'd go straight back to training. And that was happening three to four times a week. Mm. We had a practice match on a Wednesday night and then in the weekends we'd travel around New Zealand to play. So we'd have home and away games. Yeah. So Monday to Sunday I'm working full-time, playing full-time. Mm. So I'm literally as if I was a full-time athlete. So yeah. I was doing both, not getting paid for being an athlete though. And that went from November until September. Mm. So November 2016 until September 2017. September 2017. Oh, really? Yep. So I was doing that that whole time. Because obviously you got to go preseason. Yeah. you got to go oh, through okay. the trial selection. Yeah. You make the team. Then you go through, you know, your um, uh, prep going into into the season. Then you've mm. got the season. And then you just have a little bit of a break and you start. And you go back again. And you go back yeah. again. Is that changing? <laughs> Do you... I think it's still the same. Yeah. Within that season, I got caught up to the franchise. Mm. So I actually made my debut for the Tactics. Just one game. I think it was like not even 10 minutes on the court, but it was epic. Yeah. And then after getting like a taste of that, it was like, yeah, I want to get paid to do this. Mm. Like I got paid for the week, the week that I was – because you had to – I had to be in the – if I was in the lineup, I'd also have to be in the squad um, for that week. So I had to train with them yeah. for the week. So you had to keep yourself at the top to actually be selected and to keep playing, to get to keep getting paid? Pretty much. So unless you unless you got a contract, so they obviously go through their contract selections yep. and then those players are in the squad. But if there was an injury, so there was an injury that week, I think there was an injury and then there was sickness. Mm. And so I think it was actually my best mate that got the call up first and she laughs at this. So she got the call up first and had to work, so she actually couldn't go. So then mm. I was second on the list to go with the tactics. And the coach rang me up, and I was like, holy shit. Like, I obviously didn't say that, but I was yeah. just like, fuck. Like, that's, that's I was like massive. playing it real cool. I was yeah. like, yeah, yeah, like, sweet. Like, that sounds great. And then as soon as I got off the phone, I think I rang Nick, and then I rang yeah. my mom. And just the experience of being a paid professional player, even though mm. it was just for a week, was amazing. Yeah. And then once I – Finished that, it was like, cool, that's what I want to do. Mm. That's where I want to be. And then we had finished up the season. My NNL team, we went to the grand final, lost it by two. So uh. I was like, like, it was a great season. We actually, you know, we can't fault not winning because mm. we still made it to the grand final for a team that came, I think they were like bottom the year before. So uh. we had, a, we actually had a really good team. Yeah. And that was epic. We were like the opener for the franchise team. And so obviously, you know, the, the, it was quite a, um, a good crowd. Then when we finished the season and then obviously Nick and I went on holiday and it was kind of like winding down for the year. Mm-hmm. It was a massive year for both of us. We obviously came to be like, you know, because yeah. of you. And then it was kind of like, cool, okay. Now I have to make this decision internally. I am just starting to get through some doors, put some, you know, 
make some real tracks with netball. Yeah. But also, if netball doesn't work out, what do I have to fall back on? Mm. So at the time, it was kind of like, I have to make a hard decision, netball, career. Or netball as a career or a stable pretty much a stable career for the rest of my life. Mm. And it's what both Nick and I wanted to do. And I was like, cool, it's all good. In my head, I was like, I'll pick up netball again in Melbourne. I'll try and crack it in Australia. It'll be fine. And so, yeah, I put netball on hold and we came here to finish off our degree. Yeah. People ask me, do I regret it? Nah. Like, I think, personally, things happen for a reason, right? Yeah, absolutely. And if we didn't come here... We wouldn't have made – well, I wouldn't have made the growth that I have over this period, mm. like, you know, over the four-year period. And I'm going to just try and go back and crack it when I go back. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm still young enough to maybe at least get, you know, a few years in. <laughs> Starting to get old. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think because my mentality has changed, like yeah. the growth mentally as well. And your experience too. Experience, yeah. yeah. That when I go back to try and play again, I feel like my drive is going to be a lot more. Um, what's no, the not word? where you was before. No, I feel like it's going to be even more. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I just, I do still want it. I do still want to give it a crack. And mm. I think because now I'm mentally tougher now. Yeah. Because of all the stuff we've gone through over the last four years. Plus the Everything, uh, <laughs> including what's happening at the moment. Yeah, um, I, f- yeah. Mm. I don't know. I just there's a, there's a flame inside me yeah. that's still burning that I feel like I need to attend to. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, that's the goal. And say another year or two. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's no rush. Like there's literally no rush to do anything. Nah. To, to you know to finish everything, like you know in the, in the timeline. I feel like if you keep on pushing and pushing and pushing into this one thing it's just going to keep resisting yeah and I think um I think it was actually Mike Mike had gone man I had, yeah he's yeah. like I, I have got a friend that cracked it I think she had cracked the Australian team so she would have been playing franchise for a couple of years yeah. but he's like no nah, I just ran a friend who had cracked the Australian team and like when she was 28 and I looked at Nick I was like I got heaps of time yeah. like, now I'm like okay time's ticking yeah. Like, mm. so yeah yeah I guess that's how yeah. that went but I guess seeing all the debates at the moment and all of the talk around, you know, like especially here in Victoria, the AFLW mm. and the athletes, you just kind of go, yeah, I totally understand. Like yeah. you have to work full time. Mm. Some of them have to be a mum full time. Yeah. And have to be an athlete full time. Like that's a lot. That and you're a- still expecting that they are on this half hour salary. Mm. Come on. Like, yeah. seriously, take a step back and have a look. Exactly. And I, I'm really curious as to why that is, other than the revenue. Mm. Because I, I can see that it's increasing. Like, the amount of fans, amount of followers, amount of, you know, work getting put on it is increasing. And it's only been, what, like four or five years since mm. AFW started? Yeah. But I'm just really interested in why these women working hard almost throughout the whole year, mm. only getting paid, what, 20 grand, 30 yeah. grand? Um, I mean, I wish I had the answer as to why they're not getting yeah. paid more. But you would hope that with more exposure now yeah, and the, also the things that they are doing in the community as well and mm. the things that they're doing to grow the game yeah. even more, wherever, whatever sport they're playing, you would hope that, you know, things start to 
increase for them. Yeah. Because, you know, imagine a world where you can be a mum full-time and a full-time athlete and not have to have another job. Like, <laughs> or just not even be a mum. You could be a full-time athlete yeah. as a female and that's going to support you and potentially mm. your family or, you know. You don't have to work your butt off doing something no. else. Your full focus is on your sport. Yeah. Yeah. What a time that will be. <laughs> that will be a nice world yeah. to live in. <laughs> right. So we've travelled from when you were little to now, you mm. know, now you being here in Melbourne. Yeah. And you here in Melbourne, you're a – you were a strength conditioning coach for netball team. Mm-hmm. Are you still doing that? Will you still no, be No, I finished that? that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so now you're just full-time – coaching mm-hmm. at Holistic Sister. Yeah. Why do you want to coach? I guess it's the next best thing, right? Yeah. If I can't be an athlete, how can I still be around athletes? Mm. Or how can I still be involved in someone's like life to train like an athlete? Mm. Or, you know. To perform. To perform. Yeah. yeah to move better and mm. daily life activities. So. Yeah. I guess that was I after not finishing netball, but after putting netball on pause for a little bit, mm. I think I kind of knew, okay, so what's the next best thing from here? So if I'm pausing netball to focus on, you know, my degree, finish my mm. degree, what's the job that's going to support me? So what do I want to do? And then mm. I kind of, even studying, I was like, oh, what do I want to do? Do I want to be a personal trainer, strength and conditioning coach? Do I want to be an exercise physiologist? Mm. Do I want to be a physio? Just all these, like, options Yeah, all these options. Like, do I want to work in a hospital? And, like, what do I want to do? I knew where it was, Mm. but it was kind of like I got to put the dots together. Like, I'm getting close to that point. Mm. I need to make my, you know, my brainstorms, like, smaller. I need to really, like, hone in on what I want. So, yeah, essentially it was the next best thing Mm. from playing, from being an athlete. And then when I look at, I guess, the coaches that I had around me, especially here, mm. like for the, like the likes of, you know, the boys at Melbourne Fitness and Performance, it was kind of like, man, these coaches are epic. Yeah. Like them coaching me as an athlete, I want to try and be like them. Like more I want to be as knowledgeable as them. And, mm. you know, if anyone has a question, I want to be able to like say it real smart yeah. and scientific <laughs> like they do. <laughs> so I guess it was the people around me as well. It was like, yeah, cool. You can make coaching a freaking epic job. Like you mm. don't – you don't just have to be, you know, I don't want to say this in a, as a bad way, like a, per, a personal trainer. Like, you know, you, you can you can mould that into who you are as a coach. Yeah. You know, you don't you don't just have to fit into the one bracket or something. Mm. Like, so do you mean like as a holistic, yeah, more of a holistic coach? Yes, more yeah. of a holistic coach, yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm not trying to bag personal trainers because no. that's what we are. We're a personal yeah. trainer. But trying to make that role myself, like, I'm not just training athletes. I'm mm. not just training junior pop, gen pop, like, and I'm not just training them so they can get sweaty, mm. you know. I'm training them so that they can move better, so that daily life is better yeah. or they can play better or they're, like, you know, we're offsetting as many injuries as possible. Obviously, injuries are going to happen, but mm. if we can stop the ones that, you know, might be from something happening in the gym yeah. or a lack of something happening in the gym, then why not? So, yeah, it was kind of like looking at the holistic approach of being a coach. Mm. And I guess a lot of people actually think that holistic training is, you know, looking after your nutrition, you're looking after the way that you move at the gym, looking after your training. But from us working together, I have 
also even for me have seen that being her as a holistic coach you actually have to take into account what's happening in the background too mm-hmm. so like we speak about this during our team meetings mm. um and even when we had the christmas party like that sometimes you need to really dig deep into an client's day to day to see where is this like pain coming from yeah. like you're moving well but you're still feeling pain mm. is it because of how you perceive pain like do you see it as a stress mm. are you stressed like yeah. what are you stressed about like yeah. all those kind of things i think makes a coach a holistic coach just making circles in <laughs> you know <laughs> what's the whole thing it's right? the whole thing yeah it's it's in there um so i think as a yeah i totally get that you know as a holi- as, as a coach who covers the whole thing to make people perform better and i think also the word performance it's not just for athletes mm. it's literally performing as a human a fully functioning human being correct yeah you really need to take into account everything that's happening in the background and also what's in front of you too yeah and so and i think too you you forget about all of that sometimes you know oh, absolutely. you can get so caught up in the numbers or you know you can get so caught up in how they're moving on the mm. day and so being able to take a step back and go hey are you feeling okay like you yeah. know and Obviously, when you have those conversations about nutrition, about sleep, about hydration, it can be really overwhelming for yeah. someone to hear that all in one go. So it's also trying to figure out a way to just, like, drop it in conversation. Mm. like you Planting know, seeds, yeah. Yeah, without telling them everything that they're doing wrong. <laughs> because they come out. You look – well, I always say – it's like it's like emoji question, Mike. Emoji just, like, hanging above yeah. their head. And it's not that they might be doing it wrong. It's just that they're doing things at the moment that works best for them. Mm. And they're just trying to get through the day just like you are. And they're just trying to work off the knowledge that they have. Yeah. And so I think that's where where it's um, really important for us as coaches is that we're trying to educate them on how to move better here. Mm. But we can also, like, educate and transition the stuff that they're learning in here into their life without them thinking that we're a full life coach. Yeah. You know, we're a counsellor. It kind of feels like you're a little bit of a counsellor at times, but also having to potentially put like a bit of a barrier, Mm, like a bit of a boundary. A boundary, yeah, yeah, so that you, you know, cool, I'm happy to have some conversations, but there are also some conversations Mm. that probably aren't for me, you know, like we still have to be within our line of practice, right? So referrals. And that takes experience. Yeah. Because I, when I, when I started as a PT, I was just like carrying, when whatever my, client tells me I carry it with all my with both shoulders yeah whereas now you know when they have so much pain and like for, for some reason we just can't like get on top of it mm. during our session referring them to maybe an osseo that looks at the that looks at the whole person or yeah. like a physio just to you know if help with they, an injury or, exactly yeah. yeah so I guess it does come experience to yeah knowing where your boundaries are professionally yeah and also what you can take in because sometimes our client stresses mm. if you don't know how to separate compartmentalize that you take it into your personal life oh well. absolutely it's, it's a heavy it's not yeah. a burden but it's a heavy weight yeah without sometimes without even realizing too absolutely like you know yeah. you might have just had a really long day with lots of different clients who mm. you know we've all got our issues right yeah and on top of <laughs> yeah and look it's it's great if you're client feels comfortable your athlete feels comfortable with you know telling you some stuff because again that also lets you know okay this is clearly affecting 
our mm. training here. So that's when it, 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 it comes into play that I need to somehow not help you, but, you know. Debrief. Yeah, or just yeah. guide you on mm. how we can make this session a little bit better. Yeah, yeah and look, I, it, it is an experience thing. Mm. Like, I haven't been coaching for long. Like, you know, I literally started coaching in 2017, and the place I started coaching was F45. Mm. Well, I say started coaching, I mean like working in a gym. Yep. Like we were doing coaching and stuff out in schools and mm. coaching teams as I was studying and you still took your your, um, your peers through, you know, boot camp and stuff yeah. like that. But properly getting paid to coach in a gym was 2017. So that's yeah. not long. Like, no, no. It sounds long, but it's also not long when you yeah. think about the people that have been in here for like 20, 30, you know. Yeah. 40 years plus who are just like absolute OGs. Mm. But like I think about when I was working at F45 and because that's where I started, mm. you don't program there. You just look at the screen and tell them to do what's on the screen, yeah. even though the members can already see what's on the screen. So it's more of a hype thing, right? Yeah. Like We're just you're like, just trying as hard as you can to hype them up. Yeah. You're not actually there – like. Yes, you have conversations, and I, like, would end up having conversations off the side with, you know, members. If, mm. they were, if I saw that they were really struggling, if I saw that they weren't themselves that day, and I knew that, okay, how do I make myself a better coach? I actually need to go and have a better relationship with some of these people mm. and see if there's other things that I can do to help them with their training in here. So I kind of – because I had great mentors too, like the likes of Mike and even Nick, like, you know, he's mm. mentored me throughout this whole thing. Like, yeah. I literally wake up and I'm like, hey, can you help me with something? <laughs> like, you know, I've always got yeah. him to, which I feel sorry for him because he's probably like, man, can I just focus on me? <laughs> but I always have him to go to when I'm not sure about something coaching-wise, which I mm. feel like I'm so lucky to. But even having Mike as my essence, like, you know, my athletic performance coach yeah. and having him as a mentor as well. So I could see what needed to happen as a coach. When mm. I was coaching at F45, but obviously F45 was really hard to put everything into practice that I was having, you know, the service that was mm. that I was getting. You mostly function as an athlete. You yes. have the athlete mindset. Yes. Whereas these people, they just want to, from minute one to the last minute of the 45 minute I session. I want to sweat. Yeah. yeah, and then get out. Yeah. yeah. And so when you're in there, you're literally just a hype person. Yeah. <laughs> getting paid to just type people up, which takes a lot of energy, actually. Yeah. yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. You do have to go around and do correcting. Cause yeah. You know, there are a lot of people that have never stepped in a gym mm. before and F45 is the first place that they go to. So you do have to help a lot of people, but it's also really hard when you have 45 seconds to help them. Like, yeah, you know? that's very so, true, actually. But like that, like you – because you don't have long with them mm. and you can't actually properly talk to them, you don't get to have that, like, holistic conversation. Yeah. So you're literally just in there going, all right, let's go, like move, 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 mm. move, move. All right, you're out, next class in, let's go, warm up, yeah. it's on. Yeah. So socially, great. Mm. Like I think my confidence in terms of speaking, like public speaking, like I've always been all right, like pretty good at public speaking, like I've mm. never felt really nervous. But that grew even more because you got 45 minutes to go and talk to like 27 people that yeah. are on the floor and you need to have a conversation with them and say hello and like, you know, so you, and you have to be bubbly and you have to be this hyped up person. Mm. So socially, man, that was epic. Like I definitely grew with that. But yeah, then it got to a point where I was like, cool, my coaching's not improving. Like, you know, I'm not growing. Like mm. how do I grow from this? Yeah. And then that's when... Mike offered me a, a job at MFP and it was kind of like, yeah, I, I'm ready for yeah. 
the next step. More of that, like one on one. Yeah, or yeah. just like learning how to cope, learning how to program. Because yeah. I didn't really know how to, like, no, I didn't know, but I had an idea of how to program somewhat working mm. at F45, but actually doing a proper structure and, you know, yeah. and a structure that I wanted to work with and would work with my athletes and clients. Mm. I was like, how do I create that? Like, what do I do? Like, yeah. And you need to actually, you know, take a step back and see where you can go. And then yeah. if you can't go there, then there's no really other option but to leave and put that aside and move on to the next one. Yeah, for sure. Because, yeah. like, imagine coming out of your degree and you don't know how to program. Like, that was me. Like, yeah. I kind of had an idea, but I did not feel confident in, like, mm. programming, like, writing my own programming yeah. and giving so there was no program and giving it to someone. As in, like, the trial and error yeah yeah because um, I feel like even for me as well when I program it's more like a would this work with this type of client mm. with this you know the, the their ability and if it, it doesn't then you know you look for the next thing yeah. that does for them because I suppose like because I've gone through this whole time well not now anymore, but like but up till you know 2018 2019 because mm. I'd gone gone through everything having a program written for me because obviously yeah. as from an athlete point of view, I never had to go into the gym and do it myself. Yeah. So it was like I've always got a program. And then even when I didn't have a program, I had my dad. Yeah. So I would just go and, like, you know, me and my siblings would go and train with my dad. And so we still didn't have to write a program. And so I'd never written my, you know, created my own program for myself. Essentially it wasn't until I was actually coaching on the floor properly. Yeah. That's where I learnt majority of my mm. things that I learnt, that I use now. Yeah. Like, obviously, you have your foundation from uni. You have to. And, you know, you, anatomy, physiology, all of mm. that. But my actual coaching and the way that I am today is because of the different jobs that I've had in that on-floor experience. Yeah. yeah, skills. Yeah. Yeah, skills that you don't – it's not innate skills. Yeah. Yeah, they really, you really have to grow and – Apply it. Mm. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so now that you work holistic sister, which is an all women's gym, yeah. given your extensive like background and experience as an SNC coach for athletes and then now as a coach for mostly gen pop, mm. what different what similarities have you seen between the two demographics and the differences too? Similarities. I would say just like for both I want to move better. Yeah. So whether that's I want to move better for daily life or whether that's I want to move better for my sport. Two different things, but also the same thing at the yeah. same time. Like, you know, we're still chasing function. Being a function. Yeah. yeah. I'd say that's the biggest thing. Mm. In terms of differences, I'd say it's like mindset, mm. right? I think athletes have a very different mind because you have, for me as a weightlifter, I have a long-term goal, mm. right, and – um, weightlifting is a marathon sport. Yeah. You've literally PB one kilo and it's a massive thing. Mm. Whereas maybe for a gen pop, it's mostly just maybe mostly aesthetics, mm. aesthetic goal. Or maybe it's just to like be able to feel stronger. So there's the specificity of their goals compared to an athlete. Yeah. So I'd say like I could guarantee that with my when I was working at Melbourne University, so I was the BNL SNC coach. I was in their SNC team. So we had, you know, championship team, we had division one, we had under nineteens, we had Bolts, who mm. they weren't in the VNL, but they were like our junior academy that could feed into the VNL team. Yeah. So three VNL team. It's like sixty five athletes. Mm. 
I could guarantee that if the girls had sessions in their calendar to do, it would get done. Yeah. And then they'd message me and be like, and what else can I do? Like, mm-hmm. what extra work can I do? I want to get faster. I want to get fitter. I want to get more powerful. You know, I want to be mm-hmm. able to jump higher, you know, for my position. Whatever it was, I would get girls messaging me going, I've done all my sessions, but can I, like, is there, can I do something else as well? Like, is there something else that I can do? Or, you know, these are the extra things that I want to work on. Whereas for my gen pop, it's more, can you tell me what sessions I need to do for the week? You know, yeah, I, I want to do two. Dude, there's more. I, I feel like athletes, they this sport is actually a priority. Absolutely, yep. And whereas like the gen pop, they have their work, they have their life, they have their family and all that kind Correct. of stuff. And all they want to do is just balance the two. Yeah, whereas an athlete, sport's number one. So how do I get as best as I can yeah. for my sport? Whereas, you know, for gen pop, work might be number one or mm. family might be number one. And so training is just it's going to help me in my day. So yeah. just tell me what I need to do and, you know, I'll do it mm. with your help yeah. sort of thing. And then if they need to do extra, then it's more me telling them that they need to do extra rather yeah. than them, them looking the athlete coming to me and going, what do I need to yeah. do? So I think that's the difference. But I suppose when you're an athlete, your aim is mm. to be in that starting lineup yeah. every week, like week in, week out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whereas – if you're a gen pop, you're just coming in here to train. Not not just. You're coming in here to train mm. and you'll always be in the lineup because yeah. <laughs> it's just you with your PT or it's yeah. you in the group class yeah. and there's no competition there. No. Whereas sports competition, right? So yeah. you're it's fighting a... for a spot. So Absolutely. you're fighting for it. all those little one percenters. You're fighting to mm. get just that little bit better to out – Play perform, your op- yeah. outperform your opponent, outperform you know or yourself the, yourself yeah. the other person that you're in competition for the position with mm. you know to get off the bench. So it's that different mindset you know yeah. what's uh, what's important at the time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. With your PT clients or like coaching clients, the Gen Pop ones, how do you then encourage them to have that similar mindset to have mm. that like. What's, what can I do to be better mindset? More just like relaying it back to their life. Mm. Like, you know, do you struggle to move around the house, yeah. get off the couch, like things like that? If they say yes, then you go, that's not normal. Mm. Like, you know, you should be able to freely get off the couch, hang up the washing, do the vacuuming, yeah. run around with the kids without feeling sore and tired, like quickly. You know, obviously – Kids have way more energy than us, right? Yeah. Like, they're going to be nonstop anyways. So it's kind of relaying it back to that, like, we're looking for an ease of life, mm. daily activities, but also trying to encourage, like, a little bit of competition in here. Yeah. So competition with themselves. Like, Absolutely, you know, yeah. cool, these are the numbers you lifted last week. Mm. Why don't we try and lift heavier or yeah. try and lift, you know, more reps or mm. another set? Um, and then pumping that up, like, you know, yeah. that's – epic like that's what we want to chase and that's the mindset that we want Mm. and then you know planting those seeds cool how does this get better so if we want to lift this or move this certain amount of weight Mm. if we're eating shitty food we're not hydrated you know you're gonna feel like shit when you train so you might not lift the numbers that you want to lift or you might not move the way you want to lift or you might not get the range whatever it is 
So it's trying to also encourage that side of things to influence the training. Yeah. I think competition's good for everyone. Yeah. And whether or not they're competitive or not, they will still want to chase a heavier number. Mm. They will still want to chase another rep. You know, comparing yourself Mm. to who you were the day before and being 1% better, I feel like that is also competition. It's Mm -hmm. not always about me versus the next person. Yeah. It's sometimes me versus me. Yeah. And, yeah, I think that's a great way of actually instilling a more performance mindset because yeah. as a coach you will actually see you know when you meet a client for the first time you ask them what's your goal mm. sometimes oh, i just want to turn up yeah they come in with an aesthetic goal yeah but then you know the more that you actually try to like do what you do with your clients it shifts they go the mindset shifts mm. and it becomes more of um holistic it becomes more an internal an internal motivation mm-hmm. instead of like the external what would people like what, if do, I, what would people think and yeah yeah, yeah 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 absolutely and saying that too again going back to that holistic approach seeing what they're like on the day right mm. like sometimes competition is not going to be no it's not going to be the answer right you yeah. could say let's chase this today and it's like oh, do we have to mm. like you know and then just looking back and go all right what's going on oh yeah. i slept shit ate shit got my period cool let's bring it back let's just move and yeah the, the appreciation for the fact that you didn't push them through that mm. and didn't make them do it yeah um is so much higher than you know all right i don't care just do it yeah so absolutely yeah yeah being a coach, man, it's... It's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. And to top that with, you know, your own goal as well for yourself mm. as a coach, as a, you know, we have we, we have to compartmentalise our work mm. and also our personal life. And so I think it is actually quite a lot of work um, and not many people give so much credit to coaches mm. because they only see us as coaches. They don't yeah. really see us as a whole person. Yeah. Again, like that iceberg analogy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you have no idea what's going on in people's personal no, lives. Like, you know. definitely not. And it's just like a 60-minute session. Like, you can't really – you can't go DNMing with your client. Yeah, exactly. While they're fucking <laughs> lifting. <laughs> while you're trying to get them to yeah. hype up. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So going back to yourself now, how would you compare – your mindset three to five years ago, or maybe even BC before COVID, mm. um, to BC. now. <laughs> before Christ, does not exist then. Before COVID. Before COVID. Yeah. Look, I was someone that always wanted to get things right, couldn't stand failing. Like, that wasn't a thing. And I think because I've done really well at school, mm. I've done really well at uni, like, even at VU, I was top of my qualification. Yeah. So going like five years of being, I guess, a top student, Mm. failure was like not on the cards. Like you fail, you suck. That was how I would, how it was in my head. And like I remember crying over grades, like Mm. to Nick. It'd be like a grade from VU. And it also didn't help that we were doing the same qualification, so we were also in competition. Yeah. I remember, like, we were very supportive of each other, but we were also deep down each other was like, what'd you get? No, what'd you get? <laughs> so every time we get an assignment back, because yeah. VU was the first year we had probably studied together, like, mm. you know, because we were in different classes at NZAS. So it was like every time we'd get our assignment back, it was the old hide the paper yeah. <laughs> so the other one couldn't see and then, like, go, you show me first. Mm. And I remember there were, like, times that I thought I did 
freaking outstanding on an assignment. And Nick's a smart dude. And he would get a better grade than I would. And I remember just like crying and going, why the heck did I not get the better grade? Like, because my expectation was that I needed to be the one that got the top grades every time. Mm. I found that really hard. Accepting. Yeah, accepting that. There are other people that are better than you. And there's always going to be other people that are yeah. better than you. And you're not the smartest person in the world because I'm not. <laughs> and that's hard because, like, as an athlete, you have to be on top of everything else. You have to be on top of everyone just to be in the lineup, just yeah. to be picked. Well, that's the thing, right, is that you're you're comparing yourself to other people mm. because, you know, you're looking at the person who's playing in your position at the moment. You're going, I'm going to work my ass off to beat you so that I'm in the top lineup. Yeah. And I think because that's been my mindset from such a young age, I've always wanted to be the better person. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, because it made me work freaking hard. Like I'm thankful for Mm. that. Um, But then it also just mentally fucks you up. It does. It's not that bad. But like it also is like because – you shouldn't cry over a grade. Like, relax. Yeah. When you go into a job, they don't actually look at, go, okay, can you show me this assignment from this year? I want to <laughs> yeah. see what your grade was. Yeah. But, you know, like, just, but I think that's uni too, the way that the grading system is as well. Mm. Like, you know, you get so caught up in yeah. your grades. Like, everything. your value. Yeah, is. and everyone's going, what did you get? What did you, yeah. oh, you only got that. I got this. Like, you know, it's very, you're Standardized, ranked. yeah. Yeah, and you're ranked. Mm. So, of course, you're going to. yeah be like that so in terms of growth and a lot of this too down to my mom also down to Nick because I remember like and he says it all the time like if there's ever not an issue but if there's ever something that I failed or whatever Mm. it's like who cares brush it off yeah like try again or you know you've learned something from that do it again and Mm. so it's taken a it's taken a while like it's taken years to kind of let it go like everyone's still afraid to fail right Mm. like I'm still afraid to fail but now that I have a more open mind about it like I'm not scared to go and try something and like I have that mindset like oh well if it doesn't turn out sweet as it wasn't meant for me like you know it's way more relaxed Mm. whereas coming through uni and tertiary and high school Actually, not high school so much. <laughs> high school was like, I'm just going to get by. Um, but like at, at tertiary especially and then going into uni, it was like I am working my butt off to be the top yeah, top dog. Yeah, top dog. So, <laughs> so I feel like I've grown a lot with that and that's a big part of yeah. it. Because, so just giving yourself compassion. Yeah, yeah. because it's – I've struggled like really trying to let that go like – it's you're not always at the top like yeah. you know, there are other people around you who are succeeding and everything like that mm. so that for sure what else being away from my family yeah made me grow a lot because I've come from a really big and close family same as Nick mm. always had that feeling that I need to go back and I need to be a part of the family and I need to go and fulfill like I need to go and do my responsibilities within my family mm. I think that's also why Nick and I didn't want to move here permanently. Like, it was like, no, we have responsibilities back home with our family. But being away from them and I guess just being able – not that I couldn't be myself with them, but not having to worry about – I guess not having to worry about being around them all the time. Yeah, because when you go into your family – I feel this when when I'm home back in Mildura's, instead of like the the person I am now here in Melbourne, Mm. the life that I've established here, when I go back there, I'm a daughter. And so yeah. I have to 
I'm a daughter, I'm a sibling, I'm an auntie. Yeah, exactly. So I have to fulfill all these responsibilities. Everything that I've built for myself here is put to the side Mm. and I'm just this completely different person. Yeah. Which isn't bad, but also you can't really show your true self that you've established for yourself, if that makes sense. So I feel like, you know, I was really able to kind of, this sounds so corny, but it's true, Mm. find myself while I'm over here. Like, you know, I was able to figure out who I am, what I want in life. Yeah what my values are. Like I already knew what my values were and I care, I've carried them with me and they've stayed the same. But I guess just building on that even more and I've grown as a person, like yeah. both in coaching mm. but also like, you know, just my general being, like who yeah. I am as a person. I've really grown as uh, – I've really grew yeah. through that process. And being able to make your own decisions, like you don't need to – I don't feel because if I'd be at home, it'd be like, I'd go over to mum and dad's. Yeah. Can you help? Like, what do I need to do? What's your advice? Which is great mm. because they have great advice because they've been through so many life experiences, like more than I have. So it's awesome to have that advice. Yeah. But being here, even though they're just a phone call away, and I'll still phone call them to, you know, yeah, ask their advice. But you're here by yourself, so you've got to make those decisions yourself Mm. and you've got to stick with that decision. And if that decision doesn't go well, you've also got to deal with that. Like, you know, you don't have mum and dad's shoulder to cry on at the moment. Like, they're they're in New Zealand, they're in another country. So I think that too, Mm. like knowing, cool, well, I'm a full-grown adult now. Yeah, I do adult now. (laughs) Yeah, I I have to do this adult life now. Yeah, so like it got to a point where Nick and I were like, cool, this was before COVID happened. Mm. We were going to pack up here and go live in Japan and we were going to go teach English in Japan yeah. because I was like, man, if I can live in Australia, if I can live away from my family, because that was the hardest part was being away from my family for so long mm. because, you know, every day I'd just rock up to mum and dad's. Yeah. Every weekend I'd be hanging out with my siblings. I was like, look, if I can do this in another country, mm. surely I can go do this in Japan. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'll be fine. And so we had set up a holiday to go and check it out and we were going to the Olympics. It's going to be a great time. Yeah. And we're like, cool, we're going to find out where we're going to stay. We're going to apply for this job. And essentially all you needed was, as long as you had a degree in English, you could go and teach English to okay. these um, students. Yeah. And I'm like, that's a great job. And then we can, like, you know, we can explore Japan, yeah. explore another culture. And, and that will influence your growth even more. Yeah. yeah. And then I was like, and then we'll eventually move back home and then we'll yeah. get our gym started up. COVID happened. So we were like, well... That throws that out of the, like, you know, mm. that out of our plans. I don't think we'll do it now. Yeah. Just with, with the way that the world is at the moment, and obviously we're getting older, I can't see us. I mean, I might be speaking too early, but we've both spoke about it and I can't see us permanently live, living there. Yeah. But, yeah, definitely a place I want to visit. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it is a beautiful place. I've yeah. never been, but I've seen the photos. Oh, man. It's like yeah. my top, besides obviously Samoa, because I want to see mm. where my grandparents are from. Definitely a place that I want to yeah. go. It's like top of my list. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. How has the pandemic influenced your growth? Because I feel like for me, even anyway, before 2019, completely different person. Mm. This year, 20 fucking 22, three years later, mm. completely like, I feel like I've literally flipped a different book or even written a different book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Obviously the online, mm. the online side of coaching. Yeah. The thought of me running a class with like, 12 different pair of eyes through a laptop screen was like, what the heck is this? Like pretty much just adding more things to my tool belt, right? Mm. Cool. I can do online programming now. Yeah. 
you go and do your thing with whatever you have. So being a more flexible coach, so Mm. being more uh, adaptive. Yeah. So getting more creative, it's maybe a more creative coach. It's maybe go explore down different avenues where that I probably might not have gone down. Like, you know, like things like kettlebell flow, animal flow, like I'd say that, but also we do a lot of it at Holistic Sister Mm. too. So but it's challenging yeah. coaching, you know, between... Yeah, and it's a different type of training. Definitely. And you don't learn about that training at uni. Yeah. So, yeah, being more creative, yeah, being adaptive and being able to run a freaking full-on session mm. from your laptop, like, yeah. while also sweating and running out of breath. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that was hard. Yeah. So... Yeah. you can't just like stand around and sit down now like as we nah. would in a in studio yeah and also trying to still be that influential coach that you are in the gym space mm. because obviously people can see like you're tired you're yeah. mentally tired you're mentally drained they're mentally drained mm. they're here for a workout they're still paying for this yeah so you still need to show up for them mm. you know you still need to give them the service that they're paying for so I found that quite hard towards the end because it was like, I, I'm tired. I'm sick of this shit, yeah. just like everybody else. Mm. But these members still need me. You know, mm. they, they're one, they're paying for it. I'm getting paid for it. Yeah. It's my, still my job. But two, they actually need it. Like they need, rather than physically, mentally they need it. Mm. And mentally I need it because I wasn't doing any other training. Like the first year I was like, cool. I had planned out my week because we had the gym set up in the yeah. garage. And so I planned out my week. So I was still, I still had my programming from Mike. So I was still doing my programming. Mm. And then I was scheduling in my work sessions around that. So I could still have, you know, enough energy to be that person online. But when we got stuck at home, Mm. you know, the last lockdown, and then obviously Georgie going on maternity leave, then I had to pick up on those extra shifts. And so in my head, I was like, cool, I've got four shifts for today or four classes. I have to do them all Mm. because in my head, me sitting in front of a laptop and just talking through the laptop was not worth what the girls were paying. Like, Mm. you know, it was below what they were paying. So it was like, I need to do this with them and and be that person for them and Mm. coach them at the same time. So I I was pretty spent from that. Because I also felt sorry for them because I was like, this is what they, uh, you know, this is their part of their life as well. Mm. Like, you know, and that they're not getting that. Yeah. I didn't really feel sorry for myself because I was just like, I just felt for our members. And like, mm. I was like, oh, this is not fair. Like, they should be able to come into the gym. This is for, you know, your mental health and your physical health. Like, yeah. why aren't we allowed to do this? So yeah. obviously, you know, there are restrictions for a reason. But, yeah, I found that hard to cope with towards the end of lockdown Mm. like like I was fine but I was just so drained and so tired and there'd be times that like my mum would be like you know talking to me and my dad would be talking to me and I'd just be like "Mm mm-hmm like just zoned out because I've just spent yeah yeah I didn't really I was in a different space before yeah holistic sister yeah but I totally get the fact that I guess the anxiety, you know, the uncertainty, like, are we going to be doing this the whole time mm. um, for, you know, what's what's going to happen next week kind of thing. Mm. Yeah, because, like, sometimes if you can't feel your cup, if it's if it's the same shit every single day, what feels your cup normally would not, def- would not feel the cup anymore, if that mm. makes sense. Yeah. Like, I feel like com- 
for me anyway, I wanted to do more than what I could yeah. during that time. For sure. Yeah, and so and yeah, the stress and anxiety and all that kind of stuff during that time. Yeah, was everything just, else on top of that. Yeah. Overpowering what was happening, the the good thing what was happening. Yeah. And plus you have to look after yourself too as a you know, as a person. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, that was obviously hard, but definitely seeing like the growth through yeah. that. Absolutely. And, well and, your resilience. Yeah, yeah, resilience, absolutely. Um and being able to just cool let's go we're running with this this is what we're doing this is the best option or the this is the best solution that we have at the moment Mm. so let's make this a freaking awesome solution you know for now until something better comes along yeah I think I think about it when I'm in the gym Mm. so now I'm like you know everyone has their off days right say you've just trained three to four clients back to back right and you're like I am tired When we get up early in the morning too, it's hard as well, right? Mm. Honestly, I tell you, I wouldn't do it if I didn't love it. <laughs> yeah. If I didn't love my job, there's yeah. no way in hell I'll be waking up at 5 o'clock most mornings, working on a Saturday. Mm. Like this week we're working on a Sunday, yeah. but I'm really excited for that. You know, like there's no way I would do that if I didn't love my job. And so when I'm in the gym, I always kind of refer back to lockdown. Mm. You know how sure. sometimes you're like, oh, just having a little bit of a break, you know, I wouldn't mind that. And then I go, yeah, but if you're in lockdown, you're doing Zooms, love. And then yeah. I'm like, quickly snap out of like, I do not want to do that again. Mm. It's inevitable. It might happen again. Something similar might happen again further down the track. Sweet ass, we're ready. We know what we need to yep. do. Things are set up. You know, we're fine. Mm. But it's like, oh, fuck, I do not want to do that. It just makes you appreciate what you have right now. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Don't want that to happen. No, I don't want that to happen again. Yeah. Skomo, um, if you're listening, please no. <laughs> no more. <laughs> Dan Andrews, no more. <laughs> so to wrap up, like what you know, everything that you have said for the past hour, there you have definitely gone through a lot of highs, mm-hmm. lots of lows. Yep. But you've always pulled yourself out of it. Mm. What makes you fish yourself out of it? What's the first thing that comes to mind? Family? Yeah. Nick and family. Mm. If it wasn't for them. I wouldn't be in this position that I'm in because I actually wouldn't. Like, you know, yeah. my family have been so supportive, so supportive in everything that I've done, literally everything. So that's a big one. Yeah. But also looking back at how much I've accomplished, you know, or looking back at what I've gone through. So the hard work that I've put in, like if I'm going to throw in the towel over, you know, a shitty session with a client, like not the client, but you know, I haven't given my all to the client or if mm. I'm going to throw my towel in because, you know, the gym's got to close down for three months. Yeah. Which to be fair, you could easily throw the towel in for that. Mm. And I don't blame people for it because financially as well, it's not viable, but I, yeah, I just keep going back to that. Like what was the point in one convincing your dad that yeah. this is what you want to do convincing yourself that this is what you want to do, you know, putting in all those extra hours studying, Mm. you know, saying no to social things or whatever. Not that we did that a lot because we still enjoyed our life too. Like, Mm. you know, both Nick and I still enjoyed our time with our social events and, you know, with each other, like going out and doing things away from studying and away from working. But if I put all that effort into that, just to throw the towel over something small, Mm. Like, what was the point? What a waste of money. What a waste of other people's money. Yeah. What a waste of time. What a waste of other people's time. Like, Mm. you know, I understand. Things happen in life. It's okay if you've got to change direction. Yeah. 
But the way I see it is I don't think I'm going to be changing direction. Mm. Like, you know, maybe we might take a little side street or, you know. But it will still be aligned with what you're doing right now. Yeah. Yeah. Because I I can't see myself doing anything else. Like it's definitely involving in the gym Mm. or, you know, there will also be the the athlete side of it. Yeah. Um, So I think, yeah, just like reflecting. Yeah. Reflecting and being – reflecting on what I'm grateful for. Yeah. I think that's a big one. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely gratitude. The attitude of gratitude is a massive thing in terms of – being able to see clarity within mm. your life and also being able to, yeah, pull, pull yourself out of adversities mm. because if you are not – gratitude gives us joy. Yeah. If we don't have gratitude, obviously we won't be happy, mm. right? And so it's, it's, it's then hard to fish out the good things if you're not thankful for whatever it is that you are thankful for. Mm. I didn't really full-on – give up on personal training or coaching. Mm-hmm. I still did online clients. So I had on one online client actually yeah. when I worked for my corporate job yep. in 2020 because I knew for some reason like if I let go of it, I won't feel like myself. Yep. And so I still like we still did check-ins with this one client. She still paid me, all mm. these kind of things. And when the opportunity came, when I finally knew that this is not for me and the opportunity came, it was not it was a no brainer for me. It mm. was easy for me to let go yeah. of that the cor- job. The corporate job. Yeah, stuff. the corporate yep. job. And to start something from scratch. Mm. Um, is your client still your client now? Yeah, she's still my client. That's so cool. Shout out to Mel. <laughs> yeah. I think no, you haven't met Mel. Yeah. But I she think did so. when we did outdoor training. Yep. Um last year, she was there. That's so cool. Yeah. Those kind of things really really makes it everything clearer yeah. to see where your path is yeah because you also kind of re- have a look at it and most times you're like that's not a big deal like mm. shut the fuck up and get on with it yeah. you know what I mean like and I kind of I suppose it's bad to do this because you also deserve to you know feel pain and feel sorry Absolutely. for yourself yeah. or whatever but I always kind of just go there's literally somebody else in a worse situation mm. like you know you're fine yeah you have a roof over your head mm. you have food on the table you have some form of income coming in, and if mm. you don't, you have people that will support you, yeah. you know, like I've got my family back home. So I really don't feel like I'm ever without. Yeah. And I've also got a great, you know, network here too, like mm. a great group of people around me and some people that I, you know, are really good friends that I call family yeah. now. I just feel like there's literally nothing that you need to be worried about. Mm. Obviously you're allowed yeah. to worry, but, you know. It's part of life. Yeah, it's a yeah. part of life. But yeah. I think knowing that everybody goes through things. Because you know how when you see people and you think, man, they just they have everything going yeah. on. Why is their life so perfect? But again, going back to the iceberg thing, you don't see what's going on underneath. Absolutely. And this is where social media is look, poisonous. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, poisonous. Like, yeah. Social media is great. And I love social media and I love using it. And I think it's we are lucky that mm. we didn't grow up with it as kids. So we kind of grew up, well, you know, I wasn't allowed social media until I was, like, 18. Yeah. Same. And same as my siblings. But I think because we've kind of been separated for in that, like, development stage of us growing up, I can also, like, separate that. That's social media. That's also not real life. Like, that's mm. a fake life yeah. as such. Like, you know, what we're putting online isn't always the truth. Mm. Not that it's false, 
but you know we just think that that's someone's life based off of their feed or based off of their page um so i think that's where social media can be really dangerous absolutely now but yeah because you always look at other people and you go man they got it all going on they don't Mm. do anything wrong they look amazing they do everything right they eat well whatever it is surely there's one thing wrong with them (laughs) yeah because you just think about all the things that are wrong with you all the things that you've done wrong Mm. But everyone's the same. Everyone's got their own shit that they have to Absolutely. deal with. Everyone's yeah. got their own insecurities or things that they're worried about. And so I think once you've like finally let go of that, yeah. it's just like, man, we're we're literally all just trying to paddle the same, like you know, in the same boat. Mm. We're all just trying to get from point A to exactly. point B. And I've listened to like a podcast by Brene Brown about judgment because yeah. social media really creates, like, really triggers that judgmental part of our brain. Mm. And she said that. You know, when, once you let go of judgment, you'll then be able to see people as human, uh, like you know, people on social media mm. as humans. You'll be able to be, you'll be able to separate like your reality and their reality, yeah, and be able to see that they're just people. I mm. know that they're going through hardship, but at the same time, I'm happy that they're showing this. That this yeah. is what the life that they're showing. Maybe it's empathy, mm. just being able to like see through that. See, yeah. see, see through the glamour yes. that's on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. And I think unless you're someone who, like, is really vulnerable on Instagram mm. or social media, which I also kind of have an opinion about, but, like, if you're someone who I feel like is constantly putting your problems out there, mm. it's kind of like... Yeah, you need to know the way out. Yeah, yeah. There's, like, a line, right? Like Absolutely. anything, there's a line. Yeah. Um, but also showing a bit of vulnerability vulnerability isn't bad yeah humanizes you yeah yeah absolutely i've got five rapid fire questions for you first thing that comes to mind what is success for you success the first thing that came to mind was happiness yeah so Mm -hmm. success for me is yeah being happy being content yeah with what i'm doing Mm -hmm. and there's literally me right now like i feel like i'm extremely happy with where i am at the moment and that's a success for me like you know Obviously, there are other things that, you know, can come in the way. But, yeah, yeah. happiness. Yeah, that's awesome. the thing, yeah. Yeah, that's a quick one-word um, answer. <laughs> Simple. Yeah. Every morning, I... Every morning, more I'm... <laughs> You're laughing. Well, I what, I, what I said earlier. It's a different that. answer yeah. to this one. Um, when I read that the first time, obviously, I thought of that funny answer, which I won't share. But... When I really thought about it, every morning I'm extremely grateful for my family and the current life that I have. Like, you know, the opportunities that I've had. I've been very fortunate with the opportunities that I have. So I Mm. feel like, yeah, I just wake up with gratitude. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Uh, Because it was on the list. Japan. Japan. (laughs) Japan. I'm really sorry. Nah, I really wish that that could have happened. I just feel like Nick and I would have loved it. Yeah. But second option to that, so plan B would be let's just take a long holiday there. Like, you know, mm. we'll just have an extended holiday. Yeah. Maybe a couple and experience months. the culture. Yeah. yeah. So I don't think it's going to go anywhere anytime soon. Nah, no way. But it's definitely on the list. Like, yeah. Because next to saying he really wants to go to Japan. Mm. So, uh, yeah, that's – if yeah. I could live anywhere, I reckon that would be the place mm. because they just look like – they've got it going on like they, they just look so far ahead of yeah. everyone else like and they've got the best of both worlds because they've got the 
they're very deep traditions and culture. Yeah. And they also have this like super futuristic part of the Is it like Western Japan? Like um, is it Kyoto and all that? Like where they're more like yeah. enriched in their in, culture? Yeah. yeah. Where, and then, you've, and then yeah, you've got the futuristic. Go up to Osaka and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, mm. That's the place. Yeah. That's the place. Yeah. Awesome. What's your hidden talent? Hidden talent. I actually don't even think I have hidden talent. It's not really a talent. It's mm. just something that – Or a skill. That I can do – well, I don't know how I do it, but it just happens – is that my eyes change colour depending on what I'm wearing. Really? Yep. So I wouldn't say it's a talent. But – so sometimes they'll appear blue. Yeah. Sometimes they'll appear green. Yeah. Sometimes grey. And then kind of like mm, – kind of like hazily. Mm. But it's more between those three. Yeah. And I didn't actually notice that it happened until my mum mentioned it. Really? Yeah. Because yeah. you already have – like right now, mm. your eyes, to me, they look – they have a lot of speckles on them, mm. like yellow and like even bluish green. Mm. But, yeah, like for someone who's actually, you know, you're mostly someone mm. – yeah – um, you would not expect that, in, mm. you know. Well, that's the thing, right? Because all of my my parents have brown eyes. Mm. My siblings have brown eyes. And there's you. Then there's me. Yeah. But then there was this this book, this like little anatomy and physiology book that my mum had was reading, um, and she actually showed me the page and like. <laughs> I don't know how true this is, but it was in the book anyway. Yeah. And it was like, if your parents have blue eyes, I mean, sorry, if your parents have brown eyes, it's like a genetics thing, right? Mm. If your parents have brown eyes and they have four kids, the second child is more likely to have blue eyes. Yeah. Here I am. Yeah. Science, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I was younger, I used mm. to, think that I was the odd one out and my siblings used to tell me I was the odd one out yeah and then I remember this one time was like a vivid memory I, I don't know how old I was probably like eight or something and me and my siblings were like sitting eating lunch I think mm. it was and dad was in the kitchen and yeah they were telling me how I was the odd one out and I wasn't the same as them and I just started crying oh. and then my dad came and was like what are you crying for and then I told him and then he told them off and oh, no. he was like you have beautiful eyes and all your siblings have poo colored eyes <laughs> and like obviously when you're kids like of course kids are gonna say shit like that yeah. like i don't hold grudges but i just think it's such a funny story and so now i say yeah you got poo colored eyes Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> all right last one what's one thing about you that surprises people my age really yeah and i'm like what do they so, think that you're more mature they think i'm older i actually get that vibe as well and I'm like, what? Do I look old? Like, I want to look young. <laughs> oh, like looks. Well, I think it's more like they they got, take it back to like maturity. Yeah. But I remember the most ridiculous age mm. that I was given was I'm I was 16, right? Yeah. And because I was always playing netball in a higher grade, I'd always have like older, you know, girls. So they'd mm. be like either 18 or like literally adults. And it was like one of the girl's boyfriends, we were talking and then we were talking about age or something. I'd said I was 16 or she had said I was 16. And he was like, what? I thought you were 26. And I was just like so offended. I was like, <laughs> I don't look that old. And now I'm 26. And I'm like, <laughs> I want to look 26. I don't want to look 36. Like, oh, my God. Um, so 
my yeah. age that surprises people. I mean, maybe it, uh, well, most people say it's to maturity, but I'm like, oh, mm. you just see one side of me. <laughs> and you're tall as well. Yeah. Yeah, but you were tall when you are 16 and yeah. plus the maturity that you had. Yeah. Yeah. I also believe in, like, reincarnation. So mm, I reckon. Me too. Because I feel like I kind of, <laughs> this is funny. I reckon I'm, like, a little bit of an old soul. But I yeah. also attribute it back to my parents because, like, all the m- music that I love is, like, from my parents, like, era. But we grew up on that too. Mm. So I'm like, mm, maybe I was just, like, reincarnated and that's why people think I'm, like, older than I actually yeah. am because maybe I am actually. You're just finishing someone's life on the <laughs> <Yeah>. past life. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm just finishing. <laughs> but, yeah, my age is what yeah. surprises people. That's interesting. Yeah. Probably more just like the different cultures that I am too. Yeah. 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 They know I'm something, but they just don't know what. <laughs> like I've had Cook Island, I've had mm. Indian, I've even had Aboriginal. Like really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lady thought I was Aboriginal. My brothers think that's hilarious. Um, because they're like, yeah, you're a native person from Australia. Yeah. Now. Like you're, from- <laughs> you're Australian. <laughs> yeah, you're Australian now. So I think that's funny. Yeah. Um, people just thought I was just straight up white, and I'm like. Can, can you see my facial features? Yeah. Like, anyways, yeah, which I am. I'm part white. Maybe in the winter because I lose my tan. <laughs> I can see how like you, I can see how you yeah. get confused. No. How can people get in touch with you? So I'm on Instagram. My coaching page. Mm. So my coaching handle is literally just at Coach Mahara Fowler. I'm also on Facebook under the same thing through the Holistic Sister website. I think yeah. I have like a, a email tab if you want to email me. Mm. But yeah, you do I, have your face on there as well on the website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got my face on there so you can see what I look like. Yeah. Um, is she 26 or 36? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know, people. Yeah. <laughs> Send me an email. <laughs> If you say 36, you're gone. I'm not taking you on as a client. <laughs> Even if you're you do. Just... <laughs> yeah. So mm. Instagram and I'm probably on Instagram a little bit more. I'm a bit yeah. more active on Instagram. Um, I just feel like it's a it's a an easier. more active and yeah. easier handle for coaching anyways. Mm. What are you looking forward to this year? You know what? I'm actually looking forward to, because I'm not doing the S&C job with Melbourne University, I'm looking forward to a little bit more time now to kind of go away and experience regional Victoria, Mm. just do a little bit more travel. Um, Mm. So Nick and I have been kind of every weekend just finding somewhere to go, whether that's going for a drive to like explore, you know, scenic route or whether that's going to try a new like restaurant or pop-up shop. Mm. Um, Or the delis. The delis. (laughs) The delis are where it's at. Hector's Deli, if you want to sponsor this, that'd be great. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, just trying to – do a little bit more exploring of Melbourne. Like, I feel mm. like we've been here, like, February will be our fourth year. Yeah? Fourth year, yeah. Yeah, our fourth year. February will be, February coming will be our fourth year. So, over the four years, I'm like, we actually haven't explored much of Melbourne. Mm. Um, look, first year we were studying, didn't yeah. have much money. Second year, full-time working, so we're just so, you know. Building a brand. Kind of yeah, thing. building yeah. our brand and just so involved in our jobs, which is mm. really exciting. 2020. Doesn't count. Doesn't count. <laughs> 2021 <laughs> also kind of Maybe. doesn't count because we got also got stuck yeah. in New Zealand for a while. Oh. Um, but it was great spending time with yeah. my family and you know just. And you you finally had your uh, birthday there after. Yeah, I didn't years. have. Yeah. yeah, I finally had my birthday there. We haven't been there for Christmas, which is mm. usually you know the big time to come together. So we've had three years away. From you know, yeah. from Christmas, which we, Nick and I didn't realise until it was Christmas Day, and we're like, holy heck, it's been three years yeah. since we've had a Christmas with our family 
in New Zealand. Mm. Um, so fingers crossed we can do that this year. But yeah, just literally 2022 is all about exploring mm. adventures. Yeah. I'm, as I said, I'm really content with where I am at the moment. Yeah. So I don't feel like I need to kind of move into anything new. I'm not chasing anything new other than just trying to get better with where I am, mm. which I guess brings me a lot of joy, but also is a little bit more relaxing. Yeah. You know, knowing that I, I'm there's not something that I desperately need to achieve. Yeah. You know, it's just, let's just tick off small things, you know. Um, I mean, you've done that over previous years. Yeah. yeah, and I think because the last two years have been really, like, we've been on high alert and, you know, mm. really anxious and really stressed out. So if this year can be a little bit more relaxing, obviously the start of the year hasn't been great. Yeah. I'll be happy. Mm. Yeah. If we can just cruise through this year and just have a nice year of mm. memories. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's um, been awesome. Yeah. I feel like um, I've spoke so much. Like, yeah, it's geez. actually it's I've gotten to know you in just a matter of, you know, a couple of hours. Mm. Um I've gotten to know you a lot more. Yeah. On top of like what I know about you now. Mm. And just makes me appreciate you as a friend, as a coach. Yeah. Yeah, because of all the experiences that you just shared. Yeah, and for sure. I bet there's also a lot of athletes, especially women female athletes who will be able to resonate with, you know, your experience and maybe get some inspiration from that. Mm. But you don't necessarily have to, you know, find another route yep. to earn more money or mm. you don't have to stay in that one spot mm-hmm. to keep growing. You, there are other options Yeah. while still keeping you in that environment. For sure. Yeah. For sure. There's always another pathway. Yeah. Absolutely. Fuck yeah. That brings us to the end of the episode. Please follow the podcast on Instagram. That's restbetweensets.podcast. All in one word. The links to reach out to Mahara are on the show notes. And please subscribe, leave a rating and review. And if you know someone who would enjoy this podcast, relate to Mahara, relate to our conversation, please share to them as well. It helps me keep the mics on and create an impact to more listeners who are ready to take charge of their life. And remember, you got this. I got you. We got you. (laughs) One breath at a time. One day at a time. Relax when you can. Enjoy the sunshine. And stay dope. Peace.